Welcome back to Kafaru Cast, everyone. It's bright and early on Wednesday morning. I've got Frank the Tank across from me playing with his phone. And to my left, I have the great Trevin. I screwed up. Say it fast. Solstice. Yes, you just got to say it fast. Strategery. (laughs) Saskatchewan. Uh, without back outdoors, unique what, to New York. <laughs> unique, <just kidding. laughs> I can't. Uh, I can't say Doctor Seuss anymore. They banned it. So oh shit! It's uh, is it St. Patrick's Day today? It is. You're wearing green. You're wearing a green rogue sweatshirt. You beast. <laughs> you <I know>. beast. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Uh, I don't have any rogue stuff. Get a hit of Matt Chan. Just kidding. I bought this from Rogue. <laughs> just, just hell, Matt. Yeah, no shit. So what's going on, man? Well, uh, there's lots going on. Um, it is, uh, we just made it through Snowapalooza, Blizzard of 21. We're still alive, so that's good. It snowed a lot. It's melting off quick. It is. Seems like. I have a lake now in my at my house where there was snow. It was amazing. Uh, but uh, we've got some exciting stuff going on. We just uh, finished a moose film. I brought over yeah, one of the movie cool. posters for, for you guys. Um, but uh, like I needed another hat to wear, I have been... Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've been blessed, and I'm really, really fortunate to, uh, to have a co-editor position i would say more more art director than co-editor of the colorado bow hunters association uh, their magazine and their website and we've just finished a pretty hardcore month of of the magazine and the website redesign it's a lot of work it's a lot of work it's it was much more work than i first thought <laughs> but my good buddy matt jackson who to believe, believe it or not, Matt uh, was one of the first people I met when I moved here from New Mexico. And Matt used to uh, shoot with me every Wednesday nights up at the Fort Collins Archery Association League in the summers. And uh, trad guy, when I met him, he was a, a traditional bow guy and then tore his shoulder up pretty bad. So he's actually... Um, no, he's a crossbow guy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, actually, he he disappeared uh, uh, for about 15 years, literally. Like, he was there every Wednesday, and, and what he did is he ended up, he's uh, in the financial sector, if if that makes sense. And he went and built his business. And, I mean, he's a New York Times bestselling author. He's been published in, I I don't want to say, I think Forbes and Fortune, you know, all, all these big uh, financial business magazines. But his first love was always bow hunting. And now he's come back and, um, you know, Mike, who was the uh, president, chairman, whatever they call him, of the CBA that passed away mm-hmm. not too long ago, um, RIP Mike, he had approached me in the last five years probably three times about coming on and helping to give the CBA magazine a, a little boost and I just didn't have the time, didn't have the energy. And uh, before Mike passed away, him and Matt sat down. And uh, and then Matt approached me about doing it together. And that was the only way it was going to happen. You know, sometimes you have strengths, and my strengths and his strengths are very different, so it works really, really well. So the last month, we really stripped the the CBA magazine, which for those CBA members that are listening, you know, for a long time, the CBA is 100% volunteers pretty much. And I think we just had a different idea. Of course, my background, uh, back when I was with Eastman's, which is seems like 
a lifetime ago. But at least I had some magazine yeah, experience. Even, even if you didn't have that, dealing with what you deal with with Outback is they translate over, in, in my opinion, a lot. You know, you're you're still dealing with the public, you're dealing with advertising, dealing with marketing, dealing with the flow of the in general outdoor industry, what people want to see, because you're not going to sell a video if nobody wants to see it. So right. you, you get a pretty good idea of what people want to, you know, want to see. Which it does tend to ruffle people's change. Not everyone likes change. Um, how's that been going? I think when we came up with the concept, we got a lot of pushback. Um, some of the things we were suggesting that we need to do as, as you know, when you've had something for so long and let's, let's just be quite honest that the CBA average age of membership is up is older. You're being polite, which is nice. Uh, and that's not in a negative way. When you and I spoke at the CBA, uh, the banquet. Mm-hmm. How many people were there under thirty-five? I would say there's probably fifteen percent. Yeah, yeah, somewhere in there. Which there's nothing wrong with all age demographics, but you one of the things not to bring up the the BHA that they were very good at, whether you believe in the BHA right, sure, or not. Sure, sure. They're very good at getting younger members uh, in. I mean, we poke fun of pint nights and shit. A little possible. I don't. Frank does. I. I, I don't have any issue with him. Um, but he gets younger people involved, and that's one of the things that that you find. Whether it's bow hunting, traditional archery, photography, whatever you pick it, the older crowd a lot of times doesn't necessarily dislike the younger crowd, but they don't want to change their ways to get the younger crowd involved that's my outside perspective mm-hmm. looking in are you dealing with that now or yes it- <laughs> yes um but i think they don't i think the other reason is they know the work the people that are behind the scenes know the work that gets involved yeah. and i think in the past people have come up and said you know it's like if i were to come in here and say hey kafaru i've got all these ideas of all this stuff we're gonna do and you're like wait a minute you're thinking dollar signs and amount of work Frank, you have to do to implement these ideas. So I can understand a little bit of the pushback. The difference was, I think Matt kind of went with, look, here's our ideas, and and we're going to build the systems in place. Well, since they were already a volunteer-based, and they still are a volunteer-based organization, well, he was not only suggesting ideas, but he was saying he was going to implement them. So it's just like any organization where you have people that are putting their time in, you know, great ideas are great, but what do you say? Great, then you do it. Yeah. So they did. They gave us the kind of carte blanche on the uh, on the magazine. So we kind of went back and started with a clean slate, and we said, you know, what do we want to do here? And we, we did. We wanted to, the whole idea was to change the look, change the feel, bring in some, um, some bigger advertisers, um, partner with our Colorado-based companies like... Kafaru, like Davis Tents, like Tom Ham, Clum, Hamsky, Hamsky Archery, yeah. you know. So, I think we're we're doing that. But but the bigger picture is aesthetic. How does it look? How does it read? Um, I I looked through um, some of the past print, of course, and you guys know they'd gone to just digital because of COVID and some of these things. Our our membership had dropped, and and I think we were trying to kind of solidify the base hey where are we at let's build from here and i went back and looked at some of the old cba magazines that i had that because i've been a cba member for a long time um and there was a lot of ads 
um, and, and not a lot of content. Let's talk about that. Uh, my question to you two um, and you first. What are the three things you want to see in a magazine? Not, leave the CBA out, right? Let's say... Just in general. Just in general, because I don't know what you're about to say. So, you know, about what you're doing with the CBA. What are the three things you want to see in a magazine? My top one is stunning imagery. Yeah, all right. We're, we're, we're on the same page there. Okay. Stunning imagery. Number two, I want applicable content. Stuff that, uh, that, that matters to me. Now, that's pretty personal, but I want stuff that interests me. Mm-hmm. And then third, I want to see stuff that inspires me. Th- those are my top three. What do you? What I think it's you? pretty spot on. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be compelling, right? You got to be um, interested in the topic and and engaged in it. So, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, quickly, uh, podcasts are no different. You know, except the imagery, but the thing that grabs me is no different than uh, when you're dating, right? You, you're not going to look for, if, if Frank likes blondes, he's not looking for a brunette, right? right? But he's he's looking for a good-looking mountain scene, right? Something to catch his eye to grab the, you know, when I see a, a, a magazine, whatever, it, whatever type it may be, what grabs me isn't a piece of gear necessarily on the page. It's a, a an awesome image. Right. The next thing is uh, informational or instructional, uh, pertaining to what the task at hand is, Western hunting, right? We're in Colorado. You know, those, like you talked about, the, the, the things that are applicable to what you're going to be doing out West. The learning thing is huge. Like a lot of, when I say learning, but like the tech tip thing or the article thing or telling of a story of a hunt, people, I don't think, realize listening to you suffer uh, through a hunt you're learning from that story. You know, you may not be learning exactly how, let's say, read a compass, but you're learning what it took for you to harvest your bull moose. The The struggle of years of, of drawing a tag it took me 19 years, and this is the story. Those are the things that I, you know, look for, and it sounds like you're pretty much in the same boat. Yeah, and so what with, and that's kind of what I went into this with this these ideas. And Matt and I sat down, and again, we scrubbed. We started with a blank canvas. So the first thing you got to determine is you got to have things in there. Now, what does the CBA do for us and has done for us behind the scenes? We have legislative reports. We have CPW partnerships, and so there's information tied in there. Those are important because if the CBA is not having their finger on the pulse of what's going on as far as the, you know, the committees and the CPW and the uh, Wildlife Commission or whatever. If they're not doing that, who is? Well, that's been their kind of the behind-the-scenes basis of what the CBA is. If you read the mission statement, you'll, you can go through there and, and look at what they're doing. Their job is to promote and protect bow hunting in Colorado with a handheld vertical bow okay so i i throw that in there not to jab anybody who hunts with a crossbow i'm not I'm, this isn't a crossbow uh, bashing session but that's the, that's the truth it's to promote we need to promote we know we talk about all the time the lack of of promotion and you know bringing new people in so those are the, the keys we don't want to get away from those but you got to have your staples in there. So your letters to the editor, your, you know, letters from the editor, which is Matt, and, and, and then all of these things. So we started laying these things out. Um, Gerald Rasmussen is the chairman, the board chairman. And, and, you know, it's important to hear from him, you know, where we headed. So all of those things got to be in there. But then I thought, okay, uh, I think 
in the magazine, the one of the magazines I looked at, there was nine pages of random ads and stuff like this before there was even an article. Mm-hmm. And then in the article, there was like three small pictures. Well, to me, that doesn't speak to me. Yeah. It doesn't make me want to read that article. Now, this is just my preference. So I wanted to go, hey, we need to, this needs to be image heavy. So then, then what, what articles do you post? You know, th- that was the next thing. What do we want to do? Well, so we started reaching out and, and like the, that's where we had the idea from um, getting uh, Kafaru. You guys talk constantly about gear. You are the kind of the gear gurus when it comes to not holding anything back of, look, I like this and I don't like this because you're not tied to, well, my sponsorship this year is XYZ. So that gives you freedom to talk freely. So I wanted to tie into that. I wanted to tie into some quality um, instructional, like a uh, Phil Mendoza, the Alpha, his Alpha Bow Hunting uh, series that he does, um, where he talks about real life. What are you really effective at shooting? Yeah. You what know, what range? Yep. Not 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 what are you shooting at in your backyard with no wind yeah. in a calm evening? You know, right? So so we wanted to. Ha- and he's already written like two stinking books on this. So I went to Phil. I said, hey, could we get some excerpts? And then we'll drive traffic back to be able to purchase the whole course or purchase your books. Of course, he was all on board. And and then it's getting stuff like, okay, Sean, Sean great, uh, great house. house with Hamsky. I said, Sean, would you – I mean, people don't understand third axis. But here in the mountains, mountain goats, sheep, even some elk hunts and mule deer hunts when you're – you know, on these elevated shooting at angles we talk about all the time. Why is that important? Well, people don't understand. So I, you know, I reached out to Sean to write. So in the first issue, which is digital that came out March 1st, March and April issue, um, that's how we wanted to go. Then we reached out and we said, okay, well, we need some more input. So we had a gentleman, um, Jeff had gone, he went to like Kurstakistan or, or, uh, it, Siberia or, or someplace hunted ibex, found this cool ibex hunt. Right, it was sketchy, sketchy, and he and he wrote an article on it. I mean, for when I first read that article, I'm like, dude, this is seriously sketchy. He could have, he could have been in a world hurt. It was interesting. Yeah, it's not in Colorado, but it's a, it's a Colorado bow hunter, right. right? So this is what we need. Then um, my daughter, I I said, Avery, I want you to write an article about your turkey hunt and which was good for her because she'd never written an article before I said just tell me about it and then I was actually it was kind of cool because I was able to work through with her on her writing and say okay this is great you told me information but I don't feel like I'm there now let's get in let's let's dive in deeper and she did a great job so now you have a kid's article which I want more of the key point of this and and actually I was talking to someone the other day and he's like dude you're gonna run out of content he said don't don't use all your content right away I said no we, yeah, that I've heard that before, but just let's say Frank and I, if you wanted us to write a gear article a month, you're never going to run out of gear articles. You're never going to run out of hunting stories or tech tips. I mean, we're on what, 400 podcasts and we still have, we can't keep up with right. the amount of people asking, whether it be you get Phil on tuning or you get uh, the, the third axis. Well, there's, there's even more to it than that because, um, when you talk about second and third axis or aiming up and downhill and then, okay, now you could have an article on matching your peep housing to your, your peep to your housing and why a dovetail may be more applicable. And, and, and it never ends. And, and the informational stuff is, is huge nowadays. Um, and, and lost more, I'm, 
in my opinion, in print than it is digitally because in, in print, you get so wrapped up into, um, if you're sponsored by 14 different companies, you know, you got to kind of follow a fine line of what you can and can't talk about. And when you look at a, a publication that is sponsored by, let's say, 150 people, you got to fit 150 different, you know, sponsorships in there. And maybe some of the other stuff gets lost in translation or you don't see it as much where if you're not as heavily sponsored, uh, you can focus on what's most important. And nowadays information is, is at the top. And I think uh, articles and magazines in general do have some freedom from being tied sponsor wise to, to making sure you have mentions, you know, I've produced a television show for 15 years. And yes, I have sponsors. And yes, I'm not going to Hoyt. I'll throw Hoyt out there. Um, I'm not. If somebody who's hunting with me is not hunting with a Hoyt, I mean, yeah, that's that's tough. We'll try and get him a Hoyt. But if they got it tied in, let's say I was hunting with Sean Greathouse, let's just say. Okay, he's been with Matthews forever. Well, I'm not going to video these amazing product shots of his Matthews because Hoyt sponsors the show. But in a magazine, here's the cool thing. If you look at Popular Science or Sports Illustrated, if you have a Chevy ad in that magazine somewhere, I guarantee you there's a Dodge and a Ford somewhere there too. So for me, with a magazine, it gives me the freedom. If I have XYZ company in there, there's other companies in there that, that hopefully, you know, I I want to, whatever's out Whatever the free market provides or offers, I want to give a venue. Now, I am going to say I'm going to be a really biased to Colorado companies because that's our base, and we want to build those relationships. But I do have the freedom. Now, in an article, I want people to not be constrained to X, Y, Z. You know, hey, give me a, uh, give me a Kafaru. Make sure you have a Kafaru mention in there. Well, you know what? If you use a Kafaru, they, you mention it. But if you don't, that's okay. Because we need to be able to get good quality uh, information. So that that's kind of where we started from. And I'll be honest, it kind of took a life of its own. It got really fun later on in the process. It became more of the puzzle of how do we get this in. And then the other thing I wanted is we have some amazing photographers in Colorado. I wanted to do on in every issue a two-page spread in the middle of the in the exact middle of the magazine focusing on a photo, a local photographer, which would probably be the most looked at portion of that magazine or at least the initial 10 minutes is go well Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation does the same kind of thing. Uh first thing I pop open is I want to look at the elk photos or or whatever and you're right. I mean, there's a pile of good photographers here. Um, but, you know, you talk about the companies. You've got No Limits and you've got Rocky Mountain Specialty Gear, Phil and Tom. You've got you guys, uh, obviously us, uh, Hamsky, um, the Dirty North Archery guys. are. Up. You know, there's... there's Pellegrino there's, down south. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it goes on and on. Yeah, and you've got a lot of good shooters from Pill Pellegrino or Tipton Cook or Phil or, or the Great House and Andrew. All those... There's a lot of different info here. Um that that is really readily available to you because we're all, we're I like the changes going on and so like Henry came in um, said hey we you know our numbers are down because we're not able to do the things we've normally been able to do because of COVID right and so we were like oh yeah whatever you need Henry will do a giveaway and and raise memberships that's how 
you know, the hub of happiness and life work, right? We all work together right. and, and push forward. I'm not saying that that wasn't there before, but it's not, it wasn't as open-ended and you don't even have to call. You've got our support, right? right? Like, you know what I mean? Where before we didn't have that connection with mm -hmm. CBA, but with you and, 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 and obviously with, with Henry, longtime friends know each other forever. It's an open book. We'll do whatever you guys need you're opening up doorways that probably weren't there before for, for what reason, who knows, but I mean, we're all, we're all on board now, which is awesome. I mean, well, it's good I, synergy. And everybody, everybody I'm talking to is really excited. Yeah. Really super excited. And you know, there were some people that got a little frustrated and uh, have left. Um, and change is hard. Okay. Especially when you're, uh, when you're not, on the ground floor of making those changes but let's be honest too many cook you know too many hands of too many cooks in the stew spoils it we've you know there's a point where let's do what you're good at yeah. let's do let me do what i'm good at and and i think the end product is going to be better because of that you mentioned uh, andrew munsell and that was another thing i wanted one thing we haven't done in the past is usually the issue after the CBA banquet, we have this long list of who the winners are. Big nine, big eight, all of this stuff. That's it. Well, crud, if you're a big nine, if you've killed the big nine, you probably, there's probably something you could teach somebody, right? Or at so, least tell the story of right. what happened, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's when I said, hey, why aren't we not going back in our archives and interviewing these friggin' studs like Andrew Munsell, who Justin killed, Davis, another guy. Justin's yeah. going to be on the cover of the next one, and I just did the interview with him yesterday. Now, the difference is Justin Davis actually wrote his own article, which is awesome. But I wanted to archive, and the, that's the cool thing I think that's come out of COVID is the the Zoom familiarity. Uh, if you want to say that, we all should have brought bought stock in Zoom. Uh, no by the doubt, way, we screwed up. Yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> But I did an interview with, with Justin yesterday that'll be archived on this. So you read the you read the article in the May June issue, and then you'll be able to go on the website and see this full article where he talks through everything. So it's a lot more than you can fit in a twenty five hundred word, uh, you know, print article. But uh, it it's uh, th and that's what I want. And I've got a list of people that are studs. You know, there's a guy out of and I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he's down south, like. I want to say around the Durango area. Um, anyway, uh, he's working on his third big nine. Wow. In the Durango area. Yeah, down south. I, I've, I've, I've heard a rumor about him. Somebody emailed me and said, hey, this is a guy you should maybe look at an interview. The other thing is we have two guys that have killed, what, the 29? The, the North American 20, is it 28 or 29? It, you got it goes Fred, back and forth depending upon okay. what's legal at well, the time. Well, Fred yeah. Eichler, <laughs> Fred Eichler, and another guy uh, that actually is a CBA member. I think they're two of the however many in the world that have done it, but yeah. they're both Colorado guys. Yeah, both of them um, did it with a stick. Mm -hmm. um, one did it with a longbow, and then Eichler obviously did it with a recurve. Right. Um, but you don't get that very often. I mean, it's not something probably you or Frank or I are ever going to achieve. Uh, some of it's poverty, right? You can only afford so many right. hunts, but uh, it, it's, a, it's a story that's pretty amazing to, you know, to tell. And, and again, like if someone could afford a pick a, a brown bear hunt, that guy writes that article. Now he's 
maybe he doesn't want to be bothered, but they can read that article. They can see what he did, maybe learn a little bit. And, and that guy may be a little bit freewheeling. Say, hey, I'll give you a hand with, um, you know, where to go, what happened or whatever. And again, it's all informational and helping out right. the community. Right. So that's kind of what I've been doing. And and then on top of that, uh, add on to that, we totally redesigned the CBA website. We wanted it to be much more user-friendly. Um, we wanted it to handle uh, our CRM which basically is all of our members and their contact info so that we can get information out quickly. Let's say something happens. Let's say, hey, we've got a a member that needs help. How do we get that? Well, we all have our social media pages, but the ability to to email, I mean, it's all right there in the back end of the website along with you want to become a member, you need to renew your membership. Boom, right there. And then, then you're cutting out this paper trail that in the past, I mean, it was the only way to do things, but now we have technology and it's all there. So it, it cuts down on your costs. It cuts down on your time, uh, you know, all that stuff. So that was there. And then on the top, I'll be honest, I wanted the website to, to match the image heavy, um, features of, of the magazine. I wanted it to be synonymous so that when you looked at the magazine, then you looked at the website, they felt, it felt like they, they fit together. Yeah. And, and, uh, I've brought this up before, but, uh, as you know, Marketing, the game changed a lot from 10 years ago to now, right? So, social media has changed the game. Now, for good or bad, I don't really want to get into that, but if you wanted 10 to 15 years ago to reach 200,000 people, how much would that cost? Oh, it, it would cost you tens of thousands of dollars. And if I make a post on my social media page, this podcast, and you guys post on yours, we've reached well over 200,000 with no money, right? I mean, you know, not, not really any money and uh, for the good, right? I mean, it's a good thing. And so when you want to get the word out now compared to before, it's much easier to do, but it's also a different, uh, it's a different look. When I say different look, meaning when you just had print back in the day, you, nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, it was great, but it was whoever had the magazine and you're missing a, a ton of different people where now, yeah, not everybody has social media or not everybody listens to podcasts, but the numbers are pretty high. So it's a good way to spread the word, um, right? I mean, you know, and I'm excited about the magazine changing and being able to take a small portion and whatever you guys need to help. Same with Frank in, in, in growing this because, you know, for as big as Colorado is and how many people come out here hunting, the CBA wasn't as big as I would hoped it would be, but it, it is it is getting bigger now. It is, and, it is and, growing. And it's growing. I mean, I think you gained... Uh, just off the giveaway that maybe Hamsky and we did, 300 and some members. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean. Yeah. I don't know what the official, but definitely over 300. Here's the thing. If you look at the age, the average age of the CBA prior to that, mm-hmm. it's very likely that if you had just done a social media push, mm-hmm. that a lower percentage, quite lower percentage, would have even seen it, right? Yeah. But now we're pushing for the younger crowd. Why would we push for the younger crowd? Because the older crowd's been carrying us for so long, and we need new people. Yep. It's not that we, we, we in no way want to disrespect those that came before us and have worked their butt off and volunteered. I never want to do that. I want to respect and honor them. But on the flip side, we also want to make sure that we're honoring those that came before us. So with that being said, I, I have to be very careful that as I do 
make plans. Matt and I go, you know, full bore. We're going, let's do this. Let's do this. We need to make sure that we're honoring those that have come before us. But yet on the flip side, we're bringing in new people. Because if if you looked at the board and you said the average age was, and I don't know what it is, but I'm just going to say, let's say 60. Yeah, I'd like to, you know, somebody's got to... We can't just replace them because they know what they're doing. We need to bring people, younger people in that those people can mentor. So then they, they we, we maintain the sensibility of what the CBA was built on. The one thing, though, with mentoring, it goes both ways now because Marv Klinke, one of the greatest hunters, oh. and, uh, you know, but Marv's probably not going to mentor too many people on social media, right? Um, yeah. Killing, yep. Uh, mm-hmm. What he's pioneered through the did CBA. you know he just came out with a new book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's what made me think of it. I mean, he's uh, you know, he he's the goat, right? He's I mean, oh, he he he's was amazing. I think he started the uh, CBA. Initially, he was a founding so, member. Founding member. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is Marv a wealth of knowledge? Yeah, the dude's a god. Uh, is Marv going to be able to help promote on Instagram? No, Mar- no. that is not Marv's thing. And so both combined, though. That's huge. So you take a younger, let's let's say, um, I'm trying to think of a younger up and Justice Nielsen um, guy yeah. over. Okay, mm-hmm. Juice. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so great hunter, young kid, right? Go getter. He's going to learn a lot from a guy like Marv Klinky. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what he's going to be able to do is take what Marv has done, and no different than Patrick Smith, and then grow Marv's name. Uh, even though maybe Marv doesn't care. I really don't give a shit if Marv cares because people need to know Marv's name. Yeah. So just suck it up, Marv, because you need to be famous. <laughs> um, Patrick was no different. Smith, horrible at marketing, right? So we would go to shows, and it was comical because people didn't know who Patrick was because he did well, and he didn't care, right? But as far as growing the company and w- getting the word out of what men like that have done, you're going to need a young guy to help that, l- you know, learn from what they've done, help tell that story. So it's both ways, which is what you're exactly what you're doing. You, you are honoring and remembering uh, the people that built the foundation of the house we live in, but you're going to have young people also help out to, to build the rest of the house. Yes, for sure. And shameless plug for Marv, um, if you're interested in a amazing bow hunter's tales of his exploits his book will be available on the cba website um and uh coloradobowhunting.org um and and uh and we're going to actually do an ad for him in the magazine what a resource you want to talk he's a founding member of the cba he has as aaron said is uh, just a, a a god amongst men when it comes to bow hunting in colorado and uh so now he's put that down in in his, I don't know if you'd call it his memoirs, but kind of, you know, and that's kind of cool. So that's the other thing we don't want to lose is that connection to our heritage. Um, so I, I think that's important in a very simplified way. Give me, get me good content and I'll make it pretty. And I think people will continue to enjoy the magazine. And I do want to shout out to people that, you know, I, I don't care if it's a your first two-point buck or whatever. We want people's stories. I don't want this to become a magazine where, you know, already published with, writers. I don't think with you writing it is going to be a problem because you, I think, are more realistic to probably where Frank and I are. I'm not saying inches don't count, right? But if I, and I'd be interested, if I had a choice to hear a guy tell a story of a self-bow, made a self-bow, went and killed a cow on a backpack hunt, to guy compared to a guy that went and hunted the hill ranch nothing wrong with hunting the hill ranch no 
I want to hear the story of getting his ass yeah. kicked of making a bow out of a piece of wood in his backyard. No, that, that's I, I a agree. story. It's uh, more more relatable. Well, and, or, to, or, to most people. Yeah, hell yeah, it's more relatable. I mean, I remember Mike Eastman once at the ATA show goes. Well, he said GD, but I'm not going to say it for this podcast. When did it become bad for your first elk to be a spike? He's like, what? What's wrong with shooting a spike for your first elk? He was, uh, you know, or or Frank, uh, you know, one of the very unique people. You do a 14 day backpack hunt right. solo. Almost, I would say you probably prefer being alone. He's nice enough to help me after he kills one, and I still have the stick, and I'm struggling. But you you almost prefer that. What got Frank there? How does he How does he achieve that hunt? What is he bringing? What is his mindset? that's a very informational article that has very little to do with inches. It just has to do with getting back there and potentially shooting something. Those are awesome, you know, stories. And, and I get not jaded cause I'm, you know, we're, I'm, we're friends with people that only kill big stuff, man. If a guy goes in and shoots a spike and it's his first animal, I'm like, dude, tell me what happened. I want to hear it because I don't want to hear I had seven guides and we scouted this for three months and we had 400 game cameras. I have nothing prom- no problem with any of that, but that's not the story that a guy's going to tell that probably shit the bed his first shot, missed, you know, elk came back in, and, and everybody's going to read that like, oh, God, that's happened to me before. That's an awesome story. Um, I, I like hearing that type of stuff. And that's what I want. Yeah. And so, you know, the, I'll, I'll – throw that out there that that you know in a situation where you have a story like that if you're listening i really and hopefully this is the other thing i want to do is i want to teach people how to take pictures let's you, talk you, about that in a minute dude yeah, <laughs> yes but, but let's let's be honest a great story it's not a great a, story without a, a photo it's a good story <laughs> but with with a with good photo support it's a great story so so that's the other thing so if you have good photo support and you have and what i mean by good photo support is i need 10 to 12 good images of your adventure and it doesn't have to be um, the typical glassing from the hillside with the sun setting behind you. But give me some good kill photos, give me some good scenery photos, and give me some good camp life or, you know. I think as we talk about this, maybe we want to get, if you'd be cool with it, one of the articles, of course, I'm not trying to butt in, but would be a great suggestion is uh, you, me, Frank, and another photographer talk about what camera to take. A Sony RX100 shoots in raw it's a point and shoot it's size of a cell phone are you going to take the photos that maybe us we take probably not quite there but very usable photos the the thing that uh and i talk to eastman's about this all the time as well as other magazines if frank shoots a 165 inch deer with high res unbelievable images camps you know the whole nine and another dude shoots 190 inch deer and it's a couple cell phone pics both of them may make it in the article, but Frank's is going to probably do better. It's going to be featured for it's sure. It's going to be featured because right. of the photos. And now you don't have to pack around probably the kit that we do. We've gone a bit overboard maybe because uh, photography is a big deal to us. But talking about how to set up your camera, what to look for, you know, for usable shots. Because, uh, I mean, we probably take, I don't know. Well, you, you're in the same boat, dude. On, a, on Let's say if I was photographing your hunt, a five-day hunt. 5,000 photos. Is Easy. Pretty realistic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how many of those will take? Maybe 10, but they're 10 real dang good photos, right? And and, and there may be, out of those 5,000, if you're a good photographer, there's probably 4,800 plus that are, that are awesome. Right. It's just there's 10 that are going to pop. 
And literally jaw, open your mouth, jaw-dropping type of stunning imagery, right? Yeah. Well, and, and again, that might not be a bad article. Whether you want us involved or not, that might be a, 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 not a bad article to have to say, hey, we want your stories. We want your photos. Um, you know, here's a little helpful tidbits on, on how to take good pictures. And I think, I think that is important, and I do. I definitely want to, to focus on that because here's the reason. When I started with Eastman's, the the camera I carried around to take pictures was pretty <laughs> decent at the time, right? Yeah. M- my cell phone takes better pictures than that camera. So so people have at their disposal. If all you had was an iPhone, you know, a later generation iPhone, you most likely have the potential to take some pretty decent photos. But, but you got to know how to set the iPhone. Yes. That's the yes. Thing. You can get a 16 megabyte photo out of an iPhone 12. But if you have it set up in a small JPEG type file, it's not going to be enough to blow it up. But you talking about, you know, as we're talking about photography and, and, and writing, one of the things I, I watch a lot of um, Nat Geo photographers, mm-hmm. one of them said, uh, the rule at the company is I don't care if you photograph the second coming. If it's not in focus, it's not getting printed, right? It's exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, the worst thing you can have is a greatly composed photo that's slightly out of focus. Oh, that's a, that's a heartbreak. But, but again, I mean, that's very, that's informational. People would, I think, would like to hear that. And it helps people kind of along the way of, you don't need a $6,500 1DX, but you do need to know how the, general composure works with something Frank had naturally, right? You know, how to compose a photo potentially, you know, how, you know, uh, what to look for. Like some people, you know, there's always the grip and grin. You, you want to see the adventure at the end, like what happened, your, your prize. Mm-hmm. But you know, for me, I want to see a camp photo, right? I, I want to see you sweating your balls off, taking a knee, filling up your water at the, at the Creek or something right. like that. That all tells a, a story, uh, which obviously you've been telling stories for 15 years with on video, but it's, it's the same principle. Right. Yeah, it's, it is. So I think that's going to be vital. You got to teach. If you want something, sometimes you got to lay the groundwork and that's, I believe where we're going to start. Um, so I, I, I throw that call out there. You know, the one good thing I have is I have a I have a huge library of imagery Mm -hmm. from the last, you know, specifically 10 years we've been doing a good job of cataloging. The first five years, I think we were trying to figure out what the heck we were doing. But so with that, if you're, let's say, Aaron, you, uh, you know, you're new to bow hunting or whatever, and last year you killed your first whatever, uh, you know, legal bull, and you have, you know, five decent images, I can supplement some of that with my library to, to, to help you tell the story. But if you're doing a sheep hunt or something really specific, yeah, I, you know, it, it's hard. Yeah. I mean, I guess I could probably reach out to you or, Hey, I need, I need landscape photos for this guy's sheep hunt. You know, I mean, I, I have the resources of people that have been on enough that know how to take photos, you know, maybe reach out to Fred bomb, you know, so, so, something. And then I can probably get some of that, but ideally if it's yours, it's yours. And so, it, but we're going to have to teach them. So that, that is a great idea. I think that should be something that we do. Um, and that's going back to the whole idea of the photographer focus, that, that centerfold, if you will, on the photographer focus in each magazine. I want to see if I can spur people on to realize that, that you know, hunting's fun. It's awesome. But 
if you'll if you'll take the photos, you have that even more to remember that hunt by, and it just helps. Well, and uh, I guess to touch on photography, just a little bit more. If if you're thinking, you know, people are going to listen to this, and there's a lot of people getting synergy for photography. The way I always try to look at it, you're you know, you're capturing time, right, to tell a story. Um, it's it's pretty much that simple. If something's going on that you find interesting, well then take the camera out and take a picture. Meaning, let's say you setting up a tent in the wind. Probably not funny at the time, but somebody should probably take a photo of that because everybody's going to be like, oh yeah, I've been there. You know, and when I say that meaning, is it going to be this eye-popping, uh, crazy photo like a landscape? No, but if it's the fifth photo in of a, of a story and you're on a sheep hunt and there's uh, poor poor little Trev with the shelter slapping him in the face, Pretty much anybody who's been on a sheep hunt, be like, "Yep, I've been yep, there." Yeah, yep, yep, <laughs> so, yep. yeah. I think that's I think that's so good because you're really capturing every more than just the. We we tend to have the classic um, glassing from the high spot early morning. We tend to, you know, packing around the mountains with the backpack on, and then maybe some uh, photos uh, through your spotting scope of critters, and then we have a kill photo. Those are kind of what we have. And we're missing a lot of the adventure within that. So um, I, I think that would be phenomenal. I, for me, again, image is huge. And that's, that's why they said, well, what, what do you want to be called in the masthead? I said, art director. I want to be the art director because I want to make it look pretty. So, um, But you uh, have a, a background right, in that, right? No, I mean, right, right. No, 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 for yeah. sure, for sure. And <laughs> well, that's, no, I'm saying it makes sense, right? right? I mean, you know what you want to see, and, and, and you have a very good uh, grasp on what others want to see as well. I think so. And and so um, from what everybody's saying, they're loving it. So I think we're headed in the right direction. So, But I also want to always remember that this magazine is a magazine by bow hunters for bow hunters, and I don't want to lose that. Because the moment we make this about something else, whether it be a person specifically or we make it about anything other than the adventure and we lose that, that, that connection, yeah, then we're not true to who the CBA really is. And I don't want to, I want to avoid that. So, um, but that's good. I, and when, for you guys, you know, why it's so important that I think you guys are involved, as I said before, is you guys are kind of the gear guides. I want to be able to resource true independent opinions testing if you don't want to hear something is a piece of junk then don't send it to Aaron and Frank if it's a piece of junk <laughs> because you guys are going to be honest and and people can trust you on that I, I don't know how many times I've been on the Kafarucast Instagram and seen people writing guys thanks for being true to your your statement of we're just going to tell you the truth and you guys are good about that. So that's why um, I'm kind of uh, riding the coattails of what you're doing because it's there. You're already doing it. I don't want you to make more work. We don't need you to have another job. I know neither one of you has time for another hat. No. <laughs> um, but at the same time and in the same as you know, and the same thing we told Henry, you guys have our full support, which for whatever reason, the CBA didn't have that before. Not, not because we wouldn't have done it. We just we have a much better connection with you and Henry been friends longer, nothing wrong with the CBA, you know, past, present, future, right? It's just, we deal with you guys. We've been friends. I've known Henry longer than anybody in Colorado, dang near him and Tracy Gullickson since 98, mm -hmm. 97. Yeah. Whatever you guys ask for, we're going to do, uh, you know, to help where 
we just didn't have anybody that that asked before you know that the the synergy and the connections that we all have just make for a greater in product i think so and 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 i think there's some pride that we have for colorado that you can see mm-hmm. um versus maybe not boulder uh, well yeah. you know most most <laughs> of it. Um, uh, but, you know when we started what started the idea of this podcast was, you know, I think I texted you and Frank and just said, hey, guys, you know, hey, what podcast? Because of what we did in the first ip- uh, uh, issue was I said, I need a good gear podcast that you answered questions. So Frank sent me the uh, podcast number, said this is a good one because we answered questions from the audience. And then I went through that, had it transcribed, turned out to be 26 pages. But I went through and picked out the bow hunting specific questions and answers you did and so i was looking for another one so if you guys will indulge me what i want to do for this month's issue is i want to get you guys resource uh experience and and your opinion on we talk a lot about the highest end but let's be honest we all started broke if if (laughs) if if somebody sent you a question and the question is this how i have i have a mid range to low end budget let's talk through could is it possible we could talk through what what would you suggest for that bow hunter that maybe just graduated college or maybe they're still in college working in the summer they don't have a lot of expendable income let's talk through ideas for a bow ideas for arrows ideas for broadheads boots camel we were just talking about the camel we used to get that we love the pattern but it was all cotton horrible and yeah. then you went and bought at sportsman's warehouse uh, on sale you bought something and they were way too short and yeah. you know yep. i mean we've all done that um i i hunted an army surplus cotton freaking military cargo pants for Same. a long time yeah. yeah um but i would love to use that for this month so to begin would be what would somebody on a mid to low end budget hunting gear, what would you suggest? Gotcha. Yeah. And I mean, I, do you want us to do, do you want us to answer that now or do a separate podcast? No, I want, I mean, I, I think so, literally would, we could go probably go through it in 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. I would say the first thing it focus and get good boots. And when I say good boots, you can buy old good boots. I don't mean used boots, but you can go to Sierra trading post and you can find a solo flames for 129 bucks. Really good boot. Is it the best boot? No, but find a boot on sale because you're going to be walking on your feet. So don't chintz on boots. But when I say that, you don't have to buy a $490 set of boots, right? Uh, but Sierra Trading Post is a good place to look because it's older boots. Uh, they had a solo sassalongs. They had uh, flames. They've got a bunch of different footwear on there. Great place to, to start. They've got a lot of uh, they've got a lot of camouflage clothing that they yeah. um, that they get, whether it be like a factory second or returns or whatnot. I've I've been in there and I've seen a lot of and a lot of different camo. Sierra Trading Post. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So the next thing I would say is probably, and Frank and I are both in agreement with this. I wear camo clothing. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't bother me. But how many times has camo actually made a difference in your hunt, Frank? Not a whole heck of a lot unless it's like maybe turkey hunting or something, yeah. a little bit of predator hunting. And I'm not downplaying camo, and I'm not saying in a tree stand it'd probably be more important. I, I probably wouldn't get in a tree stand in solids if I didn't have a choice. But you don't have to be decked out top to bottom matching. Now, as we say that, we're all probably affiliated in one way, shape, or form with a, a camo company. Um, me, Well, who do you guys? Sika. Yeah, as I say. So, you know, for, for me, 
is is Sitka the best or one of the best? Yes. Can everybody afford that? Probably not starting out. Well, maybe used or something, but find your pinnacle piece is what's important. So you can find, I'd say, Piranha Zions, those thin Wranglers. Duluth Trading Post has a uh, a set right now that's 79 bucks. Just buy one set of brown pants and don't get caught up in too much crap. I mean, I don't. That's wear, almost all I wear is the pranas. Yeah, yeah, and, and great options. And you can wear them every day too. I think that's pretty important for people. I think I've, what I've seen recently is that people aren't spending as much on camo necessarily because you're only wearing it like you know for a you few, say, couple months a year. Would you say functionality is more important? In my opinion, um, you could you used to be able to. I'm sure you still can. You could get cheap camo. But it was cheap clothing, yeah. And and so functionality over, like you're saying, going with solids, you can wear them every day. Yep. You, you're spending that mid range, but it's also quality. It's a quality garment. Yep. Right. Yeah, and you don't have to spend that much money now. Obviously, pocket wise, like a, a Sitka mountain pant is going to be better, you know, pocket wise. And I wear those in solids, but um, you know, uh, a one camo top, you know, like the one you're probably going to be wearing on a stock, uh, uh, a core heavyweight hoodie, core lightweight hoodie, um, you know, whatever your pleasure. But you don't really have to have a ton of of, of camo, in in my opinion. Uh, the guys that wear a bunch of camo, they don't paint their face. Nothing wrong with that. But painting your face or wearing a mask, right, is as important as your probably more important than your body being covered, right? If you wear neutral to earth tone covers on your body uh and then cover your face when i look at you i know you're you from your face like if you walked in and your head was cut off i wouldn't have any idea you're trevin right so a deer's elk's no different like oh there's a human so the face is important so buying a synthetic type of uh, uh of upper garments meaning some type of uh a synthetic that will dry faster you know or merino if you can find that on sale as a base layer i think people probably are let down by frank and i's packing list that it's not overly extreme like uh i don't know frank give your list of what you bring for clothing on a 12-day backpack hunt <laughs> clothing uh i don't usually take a whole heck of a lot of extra clothing maybe a um <laughs> an extra pair of socks uh got my rain gear um i mean at this point we're using a little bit of higher end rain gear but a puffy jacket um a hoodie yeah um uh, sometimes maybe an extra extra merino shirt yeah, and and some merino stuff you can get in Cabela's in the yeah Marino's. discount bargain cave. Sometimes you go at the end of the year and you can go and get a couple pairs, and then you know wearing that as your base layer gives you a good platform to start from. Minus thirty three, they have a pretty affordable you know merino base layers. And I, again, I'm not downplaying high end clothing. Obviously, we wear the best clothing around. W- what I am saying is back in the day. I spent the money on mountaineering clothing when I could afford it, and I wore a leafy top. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. Same thing. Wear a camo top. Don't get too concerned. That will come, right? As you gain more money or, or get a better job or your kids leave to college, you know, you're probably going to buy right. more expensive crap. Right. But to get outdoors, you know, it doesn't take that much in clothing. Shelters the same way. We obviously promote our own shelters, Hilleberg. They're expensive shelters. You can buy um, an MSR Hubba on sale. You know, they're not a bad, you can do a tarp, you know, you can do a lot of different options. Headlamps. I think the one I use is 39 bucks. It's a Princeton tech remix. Um, not the end of the world. Uh, MSR reactor is an, that's one thing I would invest in is a nicer stove because that is a lifelong investment. Um, clothing 
it gets shredded. Your stove is sold that has military issue glasses. How old is that? <laughs> it's probably, gosh, I don't know, seven, eight years maybe. It's, yeah. it's so pretty old. if you were to say, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but where am I going to spend the majority of my f- funds that I have to hunt is going to be boots, glass, uh, a, re- a stove. How about a sleeping bag? I mean, y- y- honestly. So, so here's where I would say is boots, pack, uh, are the f- and in in optics are the first ones. Okay. The boots and pack would probably be number one because they're on your body all the time. Okay. The next one would be optics because depending upon your hunting. If you're hunting elk, not as important. Right. Um, hunting high country mule deer or sheep, pretty pretty damn important. After that, I'd say look for crap on sale, right? Like a sleeping bag. You might get cold, but what you're probably going to do is you might be warm, but you're going to carry a little extra weight. So when you're poor, you got to be tough. Right. Um, I, I would say is a good way to look at it. Um, <laughs> there should be a T-shirt. <laughs> when you're poor, you got to be tough. <laughs> it's, it's and truthfully, true. you look at my packing list when I worked uh, – construction right you were a rodeo guy whatever when we were all broke as shit i had a foam pad that's that green thermarest green and gray that's that's what i had and what i choose to sleep on that now probably not i just bought a sleep number bed for like eight grand so yeah I probably, i'm getting <laughs> old and but you can do it right when you're when you're young so those are the things like the sleeping pad you might have carry a little extra weight but you'll have a sleeping pad uh, a sleeping bag you might freeze a little bit. You, you might get a little bit cold or it might be a little bit heavy, but you're not going to die. Right. Right. It, wrap your puffy jacket around your feet and suck it up. You're, you're going to be fine. You have it. You're not suffering through anything. Anybody else hasn't. That is part of being in poverty. It's the great part of it. Cause later on when you can afford good stuff, you remember how grateful you are that you don't have to run the crappy stuff you had before. Well, we probably all ran a cramp camp trails frame pack at one time. Or, or some type, when I say camp trail, some type of an Alaskan Cabela's frame. I mean, we all I probably still, have I still it. have it hanging in the barn. I haven't used it in there. 20 years, but <laughs> I still have it. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, I say always say to people, bridge up. Start start with uh, boots and a pack, and then start bridging everything up from, from there. You know, look for sales. You know, I, I get it. I mean, I, not everybody has an unlimited budget. Um, you know, the bow. Let, let's talk about arrows. Uh, who? What do you shoot for arrows? Gold tip. So... A gold tip XT Hunter, mm-hmm. the green label. I don't know what are those eighty nine bucks a dozen. Yeah. That that's as good as you're going to get for the money. Uh, Black Eagle Outlaws uh, is another one that's good. Uh, Broadheads, yes, we all. I shoot Iron Will. We're all affiliated. You know, great companies. Um, and, and, you know, Rocky Mountain Cutthroats. But you can buy a decent enough broadhead to get you. You're, you're not going to. The world is not going to end if you buy muzzies for. What are they now? Thirty nine bucks for six well, or something. Uh, we 49. use we use wasp archery. Yeah, they make and, a great and yeah, um, I mean they're twenty five years made in America. All this stuff, but their price point is going to be consistent across the board with the rages, the muzzies, all of that stuff. And um, I, you know, boiling that back down to is is a technical piece, which at some juncture I do want you to uh, um, do a piece on tuning arrows. Yeah. But <laughs> that's that's for another day. Um, you know, if it flies right and it's cut. You know, you can kill kill things with it. Well, I think Ryan Avery said it best because when I was talking, he's not a big tuning guy. He said, the bottom line is if you put a sharp, pointy art object through the heart, liver, or lungs, the animal will die. Yes. And that's about as much as he... Uh, now, obviously, with the day and age and, and everything going on, I mean, it's, you know, technology is pretty crazy, but you don't have to have that. People were killing stuff for a long time. As you, again, as you bridge up, 
definitely probably going to get better better stuff. But it's not that expensive if you don't get wrapped up in what you what would you call it? keeping up with the Joneses, right? right. Um, I would say at a level that at a, at a comical level. Well, Frank, I was just editing photos of you packing your deer. You had a green backpack company Vormi hoodie, mm-hmm. brown piranha pants, uh, with a giant deer he shot opening day coming back to camp. You weren't head to toe in anything. You know what I mean? It's just that's Frank. That's what right. you run. It works great. You had some camo with you. I think you know you had what maybe like a hoodie and yeah something like that. People need to understand it's your skill set, your determination. Your willingness to go the distance is what gets the animal. The gear just makes it a little more comfortable, but it's not getting you the animal. Right, right. And the same thing with everything from your, uh, I mean, there is a point where safety becomes an issue with a water purifier, you know, your system that you're using for there. But mistakes is how you learn. And you got to learn and, the hard way sometimes. And sometimes. You just got to, I love that idea. The, if you're poor, you got to be tough. I'm serious. We should make a t-shirt because <laughs> well, that's true. Water purification. Uh, if I had to leave out the door right now to anywhere in the world, one of the first things I'd grab is MSR Aqua Tabs. Super cheap, super small. Now, it's funny. Guys will be like, what do you use for, you know, a, a filter? Because there's, you know, and I'm like, just rub some dirt in your crotch. It's not that big of a deal. Like, get the debris out of there. You get some protein if you got some floaters in there. It's not not the end of the world, right? Um, and I say that half joking, but you can usually get your water pretty clean. Drop in aqua tabs, super cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Steripin, you've got pumps. But the reality is, if you're poor, go get aqua mirror tabs. You're not going to die, right? I mean, you, you'll have water, super cheap. Is it as good as what's that? It's new MSR pump that's 400 bucks. I'm not sure what it's called. I can't remember because neither uh, one of us. I'm not a huge pump fan yeah. <laughs> anyway. We, we don't use a pump. That's one of the first things guys start looking at gear because a pump is cooler than a pill. We don't carry a pump hardly ever. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but when you're going lightweight. Um, They're pretty high maintenance anyway. Yeah, and you got dirty water and then the pump's useless because you can't get the filter clean. And it's a lot that you learn while you're out there. Now, you might use a pump, but... If you backpacked in with South Sear four times, you'd probably shake can that pump and grab pills. If you're in poverty, pills are the cheapest way to go. So that's people got to really take things into perspective. And it, it's keeping up with the the Joneses. I literally probably had 100 people ask me about that new MSR pump. And I'm like, I'm not buying that thing. Right. I, nothing wrong with it. But I'm like, right. it's $480 pump or, or whatever it cost. Do you really need that pump when he and I have been surviving fine with a steropin and pills? Yeah, I, I, I think that's key. I, I also think when going back to the bow, I think there's some good resources uh, in your local bow shops. You're going to have the guy that buys the new bow every year. Well, what happens to his old bow? I mean, if you get in there and you build those relationships. I prefer to buy high and sell low. So, yeah, you're a good yeah. example. I mean, I, I when I don't want something, I just want to get it out the right. door. So you're 100% correct. Craigslist might not be as reliable as going through your local bow shop because you don't know where that bow's been. But I was talking to Bill Pellegrino just the other day, and he was talking about people coming in and, and how, you know, it's a you can get into the last 10 years has been amazing for technological advances for bows. But it seems like it's slowing down a little bit. So if you have a four-year-old bow, you're shooting a pretty darn good bow. Mm-hmm. And you can get it for pennies on the dollar compared to a brand new one. So I think that's, I mean, there's a huge chunk there. Um, and it, in my opinion, if I'm going to 
do something just because of what I do. I'm looking at saving the money there, and I'm looking at optics. I'm looking at, at better boots, um, you know, uh, making sure that I'm, you know, making an inv- the investment that's long-term, which is, as you said, your pack, your optics, your boots, things like that. Those are long-term, your, your, your stove. Um, that's where you, if you had a spreadsheet because you were this, that organized, that's where your higher dollar items are going to be. And then you're going to fill in the gaps. Would, would that be a good way to, to summarize that? Yeah, I'd say. I, mean, I think my, so the first bow I ever got was just a, a, a kit bow from, uh, from Cabela's, which um, for was me. Is that the PSE Nova? It was a PSE. It was a Stinger. Stinger. Okay. Yeah. So I, I got that as my first bow and it, I think it came with uh, some full length arrows and I mean, it got me shooting, got me into archery. Um, so it worked out well. And then at another point I wanted to upgrade and. That's what I did. I bought a used uh, Hoyt, one of their first carbon bows that they started offering. Um, and I got it for like, I don't know, three, four hundred bucks off a of retail cost. And it was like a year old. Right. So yeah, I think that's a, that's a good option. Yeah. You know, and, and classifieds like you're talking about is another, you know, I, I get it. You know, it, it's pro, it's better to buy new from a pro shop and then keep the bow for five, six years. But if you got to buy a used bow, a uh, rock slide or archery talk or whoever, you can find bows on there. Um, and again, like you said, it's like camera gear. I get bored with a camera. I'm not looking at making money off it when I sell it. I just want to get rid of it and get a new one. So some guys, again, like myself, I'm a buy high, sell low dude. And, mm-hmm. and when I find a guy that, that uh, is a go-getter and a younger dude, I'll give it to him. You know, I'm just like, hey, man, you're, you're getting after it. Here, take this. And, you know, I didn't pay much for it anyway. I'm not saying you're going to find a lot of people. Uh, please don't be calling me for free bows. People, but, are, uh, people yeah. are going to be sliding What's into his DMs. What's your bow inventory look like? Yeah, yeah, yeah no kidding. Sli- sliding into old Aaron's DMs. <laughs> hey, buddy. Yeah, no, no yeah. kidding. Uh, but when you're talking about, um, you know, if, if you're, you're poor, you got to be tough or whatever, right? Whatever. you. If, if uh, I, I sent Frank out there with a, a bow from... 1997 i don't think your the outcome of frank's hunt's going to be any different now is he going to shoot it as well yeah maybe it might not be as forgiving maybe a little bit louder whatever but the reality is is frank is getting there off his own physical fitness level his drive determination he's finding the animals from his uh, knowing of animal behavior the bow part is 10 percent of it Uh, obviously you got to hit what you're aiming at but it's actually fitness animal behavior those are the things that get you the animal people need to remember that before they drop an astronomical amount of money on gear you know good gear is great it, it just makes it more comfortable but it does not kill the animal it doesn't or am i supposed to say harvest no kills good um yeah i mean kills good what yeah. we all you, you how old are you now i'm 50 well, I, I'm actually, I just had my 50th birthday party, but I'm, but I'm actually not 50 till April 11th. I had my 50th birthday party because I'll be, tur- I'm taking my kids and my nephews and stuff turkey hunting on my birthday. So I did it early, but yeah, I'll be 50 April 11th. Gotcha. So three different age demographics, 44, 50, and frankly, 30, 32, 32. So what would you guys say right now, if you had to head into the woods going off of your question? What would it cost top to bottom for the gear you'd need for a 10-day backpack hunt on a budget? Having nothing. Like, no, basically nothing. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think, again, <laughs> I'd, have, I'd have to be a little tougher than I am now with my current gear. <laughs> yeah. But I think if I could. If you were 20, not 50. I, if could you were, do it, <laughs> I could do it for probably 1000 Okay. Now, I know that's not true because, 
I'm bow and arrows too, not just gear. Probably do it under tw- two thousand fifteen hundred bucks. 1, if you absolutely had to. If I could pick up a two hundred fifty dollar bow, yeah, I think. Uh, and when I mean pick up a two hundred fifty dollar bow, what I'm thinking about is a guy that had a bow and it's five years old and he's selling it as is. Yeah. Like it's yep. got the sight, it's got the rest, it's and that got is everything. very doable for yeah. two fifty to three fifty. Right. Yep. Um, so that you know, probably about fifteen hundred, maybe. Then you could get a tarp for eighty nine bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say you can get a sleeping bag for a hundred and fifty, uh, give or take. Clothing, you don't even have to buy. You could probably find some polyester crap in your in your in your. You know, there's something synthetic you probably already own, so most of that may be taken care of. Boots, hundred and fifty, you know, mm-hmm. give or take. So. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Fifteen to two grand, you may go without binos, but it doesn't matter because you're out there, right? right? And that's another thing. Some guys I've had not come out west to go on a mule deer hunt because they don't have a spotter, and I'm like, hell, I'd go tomorrow and not have a spot. I mean, right? Let's face it, and you're not a great trophy hunter either. You've Mm-mm. killed big stuff, but yeah, I'm, a, I'm an equal opportunity. If you see a if you see a mule deer with horns on it from sixteen hundred yards away with binos. It's probably going to go deer. try to shoot it. It's yeah. A good deer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, good. That's good stuff. Um, I, you know, and, and, and what I want is uh, the last article we, we put in there, and I'm going to do it again that, you know, I, I want people to send in their questions. I want people to, you know, maybe at some juncture we can, you know, get 20 questions for you guys some morning. You can sit down and answer all 20 of the questions, whatever. But that, you know, what is it? that's going to inspire and educate people to realize that they can do it. Cause you don't have to be carrying, you know, high end of every category just to hunt. Yeah. Yeah. And be successful. It'll just get more comfortable as you, as you upgrade. That's mm-hmm. the best way that, that you can look at it. But I mean, for the most part, if you are, uh, you know, saving money for this. I would say if you can, if you can realistically, if you could save three grand over the course of a, of a year, meaning you're not saving it than buying, but you budget three grand and, and you pick things up over a year, you're going to have some real good gear to come out West. You don't need to have three grand, but if that's what you look at, three grand is going to get you, get you done. And probably if you budget that over two years, you can still go out your first year. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, you know, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, you may mm-hmm. not, you may not backpack hunt. Let's say you day hunt, you'd hunt from the truck. Backpack hunting requires a little bit more, you know, gear than, than, than truck hunting. So you don't have to have the greatest uh, tent in the world if you're truck camping, just right. sleep in the back of your truck. Right. Um, uh, ways to work around. I it. think there's also fill in the holes. I think after the first time you're actually going to see, here's my weak spots. Yeah. And then you're going to go, okay, my boots, I've got to get better boots. Well, it, you know, boots are like anything else. It's actually boots aren't like anything else because people's feet are different. Yeah. So what w- might work really good for Frank, I put them on my friggin' narrow feet and they might not be like Lois. Okay. Yeah. First time I wore Lois, they were so wide. I, my feet just sloshed around. I tore my feet up. I'd, so I realized, wait a minute, I can't wear Lois. Personally, my foot's too narrow. So I had to go with a, a, a boot that had a more of a narrow European build. fit. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah. But uh, it, in regards to that, I think that's that's part of the fun of the learning process is being able to do that. Amy got lucky. My wife, she skipped the struggling oh, portion. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's spoiled. She has NL Pure's brand new bow yeah she didn't get to she didn't have to go through the side job to be able to afford you know nikon monarchs or whatever <laughs> that right but it's part of it i mean part of the advice marry I, up 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. My daughter's in the same boat. You should see. <laughs> you should see her gear. She has gear that makes other grown men just go, "What?" Yeah, and she has no idea what she has. <clears throat> One thing I did that's probably not recommended is once I decided I like wanted to get like super serious about getting really nice gears. Um, I got a credit card. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Horrible advice. That's but it, terrible. It advice. definitely helped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't help my credit score. Buy now, pay later. Yes. I I think though if you are a good example um, where you are, you have a trade side jobs, I guess is what I'm leading up to, especially if you're hiding money from your wife, sorry, or your husband, I guess. But if you can rat whole money away here and there, uh, when I say that I mean still be a good parent or a husband or whatever, but if you can go help a buddy re-roof a house, if you can go, you know, help change out a transmission, most of my good gear was funded by side jobs um, because I didn't want to take anything away from my daughter. I didn't, you know, obviously I wanted to make sure she, she was taken care of, but if I needed to buy, if I wanted to buy a new tent, then figured out what it was, I'd go do some side jobs and, and, and buy it. So hard, hard work, um, you know, it pays off in the long run on gear. And, and, and like I said, that may be a side job. If you're an IT guy, everybody needs IT work, right? You can do side work and, 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 and that helps, you know, pay for things maybe that you normally couldn't afford. Uh, and, and there's buddies. Um, and I'm sure everybody has that one buddy who is uh, um, either fiscally irresponsible or just has a lot more money than you do. Yeah. And I've, I used to, I used to, my buddies would buy this latest, greatest thing. And I'm just like, okay, wait six months. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then I'm going to pick it up on the cheap because I know he's going to, the latest, greatest is going to something else mm-hmm. and he's going to move on. And um, so I actually got some some pretty good gear that way that I still have today that, yeah, I got it for pennies on the dollar. <laughs> yeah, so. that's the way to do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, man, we should probably hop off here. We got another guy coming in in 30 minutes. Is uh, anything else you want to cover? We hit the highlights or? You know, I I I think that this is exactly the kind of things I want to do. And, and you hit on something. And I think, Aaron, this is something we should put in the hopper for another time uh, concentrating on um, the how-tos on, on picture support, photo support um, in the field. I think that would be a great podcast that then we could transcribe and turn into an article. Um, it'll help people not only capture uh, their hunt for their memories and share with their family, but it's going to help us then when we tell the story on the magazine. So, And this is great, you know, just kind of a basic, you can go hunting. You, if you're poor, you got to be tough, but you can go hunting. That might be a good article title at that. If you're mm-hmm. poor, you got to be tough and then go through. I think I might ar- I might actually title this article that <laughs> because when I transcribe it, like I'm going to go through and pull out just kind of the hard-hitting facts. Might be cool just to maybe uh, dedicate a hunt to a low budget and just buy all new gear. Try that out see, possibly. See maybe. how it goes. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind. Um, I mean, uh, I'm going to shoot whatever bow I have, but after that, I just look back and I – I remember I bought a some kind of cheap tarp. I, I hunted three seasons with that tarp. Was it fun when it snowed? No, <laughs> but you got to be tough if you're poor. And yeah. rewind back then, I had child support, had my daughter, you know, I had whatever construction job, and you can still go. You just got to mm-hmm. be tougher. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and I say that we don't have any cheap gear right now. I mean, and, and when I say that, we just everything we use is high dollar. But if you said, hey, Aaron, go grab a tarp and go buy some of Solo Flames off Sierra Trade, I know it works because I used it for years. So it's not like a matter of, oh, is this, am I gambling with my life? 
No, not gambling was my life. I'm just not going to use quite the, the same level of gear I have now, but it's it still works fine. I don't think people should get too wrapped up on social media when they buy gear initially because then they're going to end up broke and not even be able to afford to go hunting. Right. That's what I'm saying. you got <laughs> you got to remember why you're doing this, and that's the basis. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I'm doing it for social media likes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, and and again, I want to reiterate to all the listeners that if you are if you're not a member of the CBA, please please go to Colorado Bowhunters Bowhunting.org and and renew your membership or or become a member. If you hunt in Colorado, it's important. It's it's important. And then for those of you that have remarkable stories, get a hold of us. Uh, you can email me at trevinstoltzfus at gmail.com. That's Trevin Stoltzfus, common spelling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Send or, it out. Or just just go to the CBA, uh, uh, the CBA Instagram and message Henry. Um, he'll get the info to me. But we, we want your stories because this magazine is in support of the CBA, which is in support of your bow hunting. And trying to keep it that way. Can you guys move back the uh, starting date for mule deer by chance? Yeah, we need to be about the what the twenty fifth. I would Man, s- drop her back to the fifteenth of August. Yeah. yeah. One, of, <laughs> one of the things I was surprised when uh, the date shifted uh, to me less pressure. Right, is I think mule deer season should start August fifteenth, uh, and elk season should start. Uh, September 1st, right? Um, less impact on the mule deer and less impact on the elk, you know, and, and you get better parts of both seasons. So. W- would you, if you're saying that, would you be okay with 15th through the end of the month mule deer and then it's stopping? Yeah, I'd be fine with 15 days. Oh, and, yeah. and then, and then you, and then you start elk and then go. I, th- I think elk should last 30 days. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be interested to get your take. The deer aren't doing great here in Colorado. So a shorter season, I don't think would be horrible to, to help a little bit most guys that go out for archery high country um it's it's a 10 to most people can't make it more than 15 days in a row 14 you know especially on a backpack hunt so it would help the numbers it's plenty of time and and if you're coming out west just to hunt mule deer that's more vacation than most people have anyway so that that 15 day two week type time frame would be fine with me at least for a few years and and also help the numbers grow Mm. and then you've got less potential disruption of of elk while you're mule deer hunting and and i i think it would be better uh better habitat wise all the way around hmm. that's good that's good well guys thanks for having me up we're down i guess i came down didn't i yeah um, south yeah south, south, south down <laughs> so yeah well that's good and i'm i look forward to uh, more of this uh, you know for for me again all i can say is more information for guys in a position wanting to do this or wanting to do it better that's what I want to get get out there, and then I want to captivate minds. I want to stir hearts. I want I want to inspire people to get out there, and that's where that stunning imagery, I think, is going to help. Yeah, yeah. So. No, I'm I'm all for it. I'm glad that uh, there's some changing uh, changes happening. All you guys are getting involved, and obviously, like I said, you have our full support. So whatever you need but yeah definitely thanks for coming down yeah thank you you got it you, you know got it. I just have one request for our friend Luke if you could make one. Uh, one magazine with pop-up pictures for for yeah. Luke, for Luke, Luke Adil. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got deal for yeah. the for the Luke he's not hey, a good reader he, uh, uh, I have been trying to get a hold of that guy what I didn't know he was pushing snow well, I saw something on his IG he was yeah. he's, he's plowing, plowing snow. snow yeah 
Yeah, has been for the last four nights, I think. <laughs> Pop-up, what about scratch and sniff? <laughs> <laughs> Anything that minimizes the amount of reading he has to do. Yeah, he doesn't read good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. All right, cool. Thanks again, man. You got it.